This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to Extraterrestrial Reality. Well, the Pentagon's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, or Arrow, is uh, set to release its historical record report by March 7th. And uh, a lot of us in the UFO community believe that this report is going to be completely bogus. Uh, A lot of us already know that the uh, former director of Arrow, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, who seems he's still uh, basically working for them as a, a consultant, apparently, uh, his fingerprints are going to be all over it. And uh, in January uh, into this month, he, was, he has been on his disinformation tour, as I talked about in previous podcasts. And uh, it seems like we're going to get a fifth explanation for the Roswell UFO crash. Uh, and that's what I want to talk about here today. Now, on uh, a couple of days ago, Stephen Greenstreet, the debunker and reporter for the New York Post, who apparently has sold his soul uh, for access to Pentagon officials like uh, Susan Goh, the spokesperson there, as well as Sean Kirkpatrick, uh, he wrote uh, on Twitter a couple of days ago, it says here, Kirkpatrick, new UFO report by March 7th. Former Pentagon UFO Office Director Sean Kirkpatrick tells me his final UFO report will probably be released to the public before the State of the Union on March 7th. Uh, Some people suspect that the reason for this, uh, that they want to release this before March 7th, is so uh, President Biden doesn't say anything about UFOs because this report will make anybody who talks about them look foolish. Uh, apparently that's the that's the game that's being played here anyway it says here kirkpatrick's long anticipated arrow report will supposedly include an analysis of ufo cases dating back to the 1940s including roswell uh but apparently the most shocking thing revealed in the new report will be a breakdown of how a small group of religious ufo activists have infiltrated the united states government and influenced congress to hunt aliens that aren't there uh, that's a lie. Uh, Kirk Pat- Kirkpatrick's lying about that. Green Street's been uh, p- promoting that that nonsense himself. Uh, that's absolute bullshit for, to anybody who's been studying this for decades. Uh, so we know that that's a lie. Uh, it says here the report goes through everything to a very high level of detail. Kirkpatrick uh, told a reporter, "It all goes back to the same core set of people." Basically, he's talking about Elizondo, Grush, Christopher Mellon, all these different people that have been talking to people in Congress over the years. But as uh, uh, Green Street and Kirkpatrick, they seem to leave out uh, the the fact that uh, there's other whistleblowers besides David Grush, and uh, that also Congress has been meeting with some of these whistleblowers in uh, highly secure facilities like uh, called skiffs and being briefed on some of the things that have uh, that's been getting covered up over the years and obviously it's uh, it's been a bipartisan effort as many of us know uh, a lot of people in congress have seen enough uh, enough that they have actually tried to have passed legislation to uh, to help prod along disclosure of course the uh, secret control group uh, has uh, pushed back on this, and uh, uh, we had had some of their puppets uh, to block that legislation, as we all know, the UAP Disclosure Act that got completely gutted. Uh, so, but but there are people, the people in Congress, obviously, uh, wouldn't be uh, doing the things they're doing if they uh, hadn't seen things, uh, certain things in skiffs, and they hadn't been told, if they hadn't been briefed about certain things during these uh, closed meetings with whistleblowers like David Grush. Uh, so, uh, and Green Street, by the way, he has no, he has, he, he 
he's he doesn't have the clearance for this so he's just making this stuff up and Kirkpatrick obviously is making this stuff up too Kirkpatrick is obviously a, a mouthpiece for the secret control group this guy's uh, in, in in it up to here uh but anyway what I believe is going to happen and I, I want to get the jump on this uh and that's why I'm doing this podcast today because uh, I believe what's going to happen is we're going to uh, this report's going to come out and this will this will mark the fifth explanation we get for the Roswell crash that's what's going to happen of course uh the first explanation that was the only time that the uh government told the truth about what happened at Roswell that's when they uh released that press uh, release that uh, stated that the United States Army Air Force in 1947 had recovered a crashed disc. Uh, uh, a few hours later, that was changed to, no, it's just a weather balloon. So that was the second story. The first one was the truth. It's a crashed flying disc. This uh, Three hours later, nope, it's just a weather balloon. That's the second story. The third story happened in 1994 uh, when the Air Force... Uh, they were receiving a lot of uh, pressure from different people at that time over this. Uh, they released this voluminous report called the Roswell Report, Fact versus Fiction in the New Mexico Desert. And in that, they uh, claimed that uh, it wasn't just any old weather balloon. It was actually uh, a, a secret uh, balloon to de- try to detect when the uh, uh, Soviets uh, detonated their first atomic bomb. And it was part of this program called Project Mogul. Uh, so that was the, the third excuse. The fourth excuse was basically a conglomeration of the third excuse, but this time, and this this came out in 1997 when they released this book here called The Roswell Report Case Closed, and in that, they attempted to debunk the reports of dead alien bodies by stating what people really saw was... Uh, Uh, anthropomorphic dummies that were dropped from high altitudes uh, from 1953 to 1959. Actually, uh, really what they meant to say was 1954 to 1959, but of course they, they... they, 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 what they did, they, they, they try to uh, confuse people. But if you read this report, I just want to read a little bit of it. It says here, uh, and this is on page 23 of the Roswell Report case closed from, this was uh, actually released in 1997. This uh, this publication was put out there uh, in addition to the into uh, uh, in, in addition to the executive summary. This report was put out there just so the tired hack reporters uh, covering the Washington beat, you know, gave them something to to look at. You know, they they could page through it, you know, read a couple of pack paragraphs, but basically write a story uh, pretty much verbatim from the executive summary that was included in there and just move on with their lives because they were, you know, they didn't believe in this stuff and the Air Force made a joke about it. But uh, they're talking about the anthropomorphic dummies here. I just want to point this out. It says here, anthropomorphic dummies were transported to altitudes up to 98,000 feet by how high altitude balloons the dummies were then released for a period of free fall while body movements and escape equipment performance were recorded by a variety of instruments uh, 43 high altitude balloon flights carrying 67 anthropomorphic dummies were launched and recovered throughout new mexico between june 1954 and february 1959 Uh, Due to prevailing wind conditions, operational factors, and ruggedness of the terrain, the majority of dummies impacted outside the confines of military reservations in eastern New Mexico, near Roswell, and in areas surrounding the Tularosa Valley in south-central New Mexico. Additionally, 30 dummies were dropped by aircraft over White Sands Proving Ground, New Mexico, in 1953. And in 1959, 150 dummies were dropped by aircraft over Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So, uh... 
they're talking about dummies that were launched years later in different years. Now, in 1953, they were dropping them right over White Sands Missile Base, so no one in Roswell could have confused any any dummy for uh, for an alien in, in uh, 1953. But they're saying that all these people had their times messed up. Uh, that's what they're trying to state. Anyway, uh, I'm going to read a, little, read a little segment here from Witness to Roswell, written by Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt. It states here, uh, To explain away the 10-year time disparity, the Air Force claimed that the witnesses were unwitting victims of a mental processing affliction known as time compression, whereby recollections of past events tend to contract the time frames in which they took place as a person ages. Thus, those who claim to have seen alien bodies from the Roswell crash in 1947 were really remembering a chance encounter with crash test dummies that they somehow stumbled upon while searching for rattlesnakes out in the desert in 1959. Project Mogul and Dummies from Above continued to be the Air Force's explanation for the Roswell crash. So the Dummies from Above explanation, that was the fourth explanation. That was basically a uh, conglomeration of the of the previous one where they said it was uh, Project uh, Mogul and then they added in the Dummies. Now we're going to get the fifth explanation. And the fifth explanation, we already had a preview for this. Uh, I want to uh, remind you, uh, uh, back in January, here's an article in USA Today. Kirkpatrick states this. Uh, the Roswell story began in 1947 when the United States military first put out a report saying it captured a flying saucer near the Roswell Army Airfield in New Mexico. Though it later retracted the claim and put out the new official story that it was a weather balloon, the damage was done. To this day, conspiratorial thinkers believe that alien bodies were recovered amid the wreckage. And then it goes on to say, but Kirkpatrick, uh, maybe before I continue, I just want to comment here on that uh, actually they're saying the damage was already done because they put out the they 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 retracted it the that no no that's not how it was i mean the story was forgotten immediately nobody talked about it except the witnesses they 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 internalized it for for at least what 30 years so uh, they, nobody knew about this publicly the, the damage was done because the, the damage was done when the when the United States government decided to cover this whole thing up and then and and then say it was a weather balloon that's when the damage was done uh, uh it says here to this day conspiratorial thinkers believe that alien bodies were recovered amid the wreckage yes that there could because they were they were based on all the, again anyone who were to pick up these books that I talk about all the time by Thomas uh, uh, Carrie and Donald Schmidt, Witness to Roswell, Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed, among other books, right? There's a lot of books out there you can look at, and you will know, based on all the different witnesses, military and civilian, uh, that most certainly there was something that happened in Roswell, and it did not involve any sort of balloon, weather, or mogul. But anyway, continuing here, uh, Kirkpatrick says this, says, but Kirkpatrick chalks all the UFO, UFO hoopla up to a top-secret government program not to reverse-engineer alien ships, but to manufacture high-altitude metallic spy balloons. In his estimation, recovery operations to retrieve those down balloons, as well as a very real, very fatal military plane crash at the time, at the time, remember, keep that in mind, combined to perpetuate the UFO myth. Actually, the myth is is is, is, is this fable that the Air Force has been uh, 
putting forth for for years now along with now uh, now it's the, the Kirkpatrick is going to continue it here but he, with the fa- very fatal military plane crash that he's talking about happened in 1956 right nine years later it happened in Roswell where there was 11 guys that were killed in a, in a, in a crash and that that had that people weren't misremembering that they weren't misremembering the, the Air Force tried to contend in the, this dumb report the Roswell report case closed that that's what people mistook dead uh, dead uh, uh, Air Force personnel as uh, uh, as aliens. That's, they con- they confused that somehow. They got not only did they get their year wrong, but they they confused dead people for uh, alien dead aliens. That's that's what he's trying to say. It's such so it's ridiculous. But the other part here, the part that I believe that he's going to focus on in this new historical record report is it, with regard to these uh, where he says high altitude metallic spy balloons. Okay, now I'm gonna go to okay. This is a I'm gonna right now. I'm clicking onto a a page from this Roswell report case closed from the that the Air Force put out in 1997, and uh, we're gonna go through this. This is what this is what I believe you're gonna see in this new historical record report. This is what Arrow is gonna try to say. What people saw. The Air Force has already stated this before, but he's gonna they're gonna regurgitate it again. They're gonna probably uh, you know gussy it up a little bit and uh and and represent it but anyway it says here um it says uh, this was on uh page 42 it says in 1946 as a result of research conducted for project mogul charles b moore a new york university graduate student working under contract for the united states army air forces made a significant technological discovery the use of polyethylene for high altitude balloon construction polyethylene is a lightweight plastic that can withstand stresses of a high altitude environment that differed drastically from and greatly exceeded the capabilities of standard rubber weather balloons used previously moore's discovery was a breakthrough in technology for the first time scientists were able to make detailed sustained studies of the upper atmosphere polyethylene balloons first produced in 1947 for for project mogul are still widely used today for a host of scientific applications now that's a little bit misleading because they make it sound like maybe these polyethylene balloons were used for uh, they were used for Project Mo- they were produced for Project Mogul in 1947. However, and when you go back to the uh, previous report from the Air Force, uh, the Roswell report, uh, fact versus fiction in the New Mexico desert, it says here Pro- Professor Moore, the on-scene project engineer, gave detailed information concerning his team's effort. He recalled that radar targets were used for tracking balloons because they did not have all the necessary equipment when they first arrived in New Mexico. Some of the early developmental radar targets were manufactured by a toy or novelty company. These targets were made up of aluminum foil or foil-backed paper, balsa wood beams that were coated in an Elmer's type glue to enhance their durability, acetate and or cloth reinforcing tape, single strand and braided nylon twine, brass eyelets and swivels to form a multi-faced reflector somewhat similar in construction to a box kite. Uh, Some of these targets were also assembled with a purplish pink tape with symbols on it. Yeah. But anyway, uh, the, the tape that he's talking about here, that was the excuse that the Air Force tried to put forward as as the, for the hieroglyphic symbols. There was this tape that Moore said that he used uh, in constructing this 
these uh, this balloon uh, assembly uh, for Project Mogul, uh, and and it had these little childish symbols on it. That's not what people really saw. That this was this was actually manufactured. This story was manufactured about the purplish pink tape. But you see what what he was talking about here. They were, they, they didn't use that. They actually used they 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 were using rubber for this. They're using actually according to uh, Jesse Marcel Jr. Uh, the 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 what made up the mogul balloons was 28 neoprene balloons uh sonoboy microphone dry cell batteries fm transmitter four ray raywin radar targets composed of balsa sticks and metalized paper multiple plastic tubes containing a liquid ballast dribbler system three silk canopy parachutes and 600 plus feet of braided nylon cord so they they talked about all of this in that in that previous report the air force did but uh when you go back, when you read this, the the one from 1997, they they were focused on this uh, polyethylene. They were trying to basically trying to state here uh, later on that what people were remembering that like of course some of the material that was recovered was it looked like aluminum foil, but people could uh, you know crumble it up in their hands and then it would straighten right back out again. Uh, so they tried to dispel that by saying, well, they, they must be remembering some of this polyethylene balloon material. But the problem is, is they didn't start using that stuff until May of 1948, which was almost a year after the Roswell incident, after the crash. Uh, I'm going to fast forward here in that, in that article here. It says, uh, as early as May 1948, polyethylene balloons coated or laminated with aluminum were flown from Holloman Air Force Base and the surrounding area. Beginning in August 1955, large numbers of the, these balloons were flown as targets in the development of radar-guided air-to-air missiles. Various accounts of the Roswell incident often described thin metal-like materials that, when wadded into a ball, returned to their original shape. These accounts are consistent with the properties of polyethylene balloons laminated with aluminum. These balloons were typically launched from points west of the White Sands Proving Ground, floated over the range as targets, and descended in the areas northeast of White Sands Proving Ground where the strange materials were allegedly found. So they're trying to say that, that everyone's got everything mixed up. All these Roswell witnesses have everything mixed up. They they were remembering dummies from 1954 to 1959, and they're remembering uh, polyethylene balloon material that they didn't start using until 1948. We're talking about an incident that happened in 1947. There were many different witnesses that said that they, ha- they handled this material. And there was other material. Jesse Marcel, Sr. and Jr., amongst a, 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 a number of other witnesses, talked about the strength of the material that they found. There was some metal that uh, Jesse Marcel Sr. said was as thin as the uh, aluminum foil in a pack of cigarettes, but you couldn't bend it, you couldn't break it, you couldn't. Uh, they took a 16-pound sledgehammer to it, and they couldn't put a dent in it. So there was all kinds of material that they, that they found. But this is what we're getting. We're going to get a, a new version of the Roswell uh, crash. We're going to get another version. It's going to, and and what they're going to say in this report, what I believe they're going to say is going to, it's going to be uh, that, it, that 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 people got confused with this polyethylene uh, b- uh, b- balloons, and, and it's nonsense. It's like the same kind of stuff that you see in a. Uh, and this, this is here, here. It's like something like this. It's from a, a a busted bag of chips. This is what they're talking about. They're, Let's see if you crumble it up and it opens right back up to to what it looked like before. It's it's material similar to that. Uh, so what what are we what are they talking about here? The, the the people the witnesses to this said there was absolutely you could crumble it up in your hand and it would straighten back out and there were no creases whatsoever in it. 
and it happened in 1947, not 1948 or any year thereafter. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about this Charles B. Moore. Uh, this is from Roswell, The Ultimate Cold Case Closed. Uh, this was by uh, Thomas Carey and Donald Schmidt as well. It says here, uh, the man in charge of the Mogul Project in 1947 had the following to say about any form of balloon being responsible for the Roswell debris field. There wasn't a balloon in use back in 1947, or even today for that matter, that could have produced debris over such a large area or torn up the ground in any way. I have no idea what such an object might have been, but I can't believe a balloon would fit such a description. That was the first time that meteorological physicist Charles B. Moore was asked to comment on the newly discovered data by investigator William Moore in 1979. But 25 years later, the former mogul engineer had a much higher calling. The Air Force needed their own authority to endorse their new theory. Moore would start to launch the mogul devices from Alamogordo, New Mexico, about 100 miles south of the Foster Ranch, beginning in June 1947. Nevertheless, in 1993, the Air Force needed Moore to put such a balloon where, the needed, where they needed it most, not at a predetermined altitude as was designed, but on the ground, untracked and lost, only to be discovered by some hick cowboy, and then later misidentified by a bunch of Keystone cops over at Roswell, who just happened to be in charge of the bomb. Uh, and then later on it says, the trick was to establish the targeted crash site from the point of the launch and reconfigure the wind directions in the upper atmosphere. Uh, then plot a trajectory based on one specific mogul launch, flight number four. Aerologist Aerol Moore was once again getting his marching orders from the Air Force and without reservation he complied. Based on total assumption and completely falsified data, he supplanted, supplanted from other flights, Moore concocted weather wind charts that could potentially put flight number four near the Foster Ranch. The greater obstacle to overcome was that, according to the diary of Dr. Crary, just Dr. Crary was in charge of the project, uh, he was the project leader, launch number four was comprised of only a cluster of rubber balloons and a Sonoboy microphone, but was totally absent any array trains, which, no, which meant no reflective uh, foil kites that the Air Force would have us believe confused the Roswell personnel in concluding that it was pieces of a flying saucer. And to further discredit Moore's claims in support of the Air Force's mogul report there seems absolutely no flight data for number four there is no launch time indicated no ground trajectory and no recovery site specified uh so uh, there's a lot more to this but it, this, this guy apparently this charles b moore who uh was working on project uh mogul uh, back in 1947 and he was at first, and when he was initially contacted in 1979 by this William Moore, uh, who William Moore was working on the the first book about the Roswell incident called the Roswell incident, along with Charles Berlitz, and uh, he interviewed Charles B. Moore, and he said, "There's no way it could have been a balloon." But then years later, the Air Force needed Charles Moore. You need to say this. You need to say this, and then tell him, "Hey, they use this purplish, pinkish tape and everything to, on the balsa wood, and that's what that that, that will explain the uh, the eye beams that they that some of the witnesses saw." with the hieroglyphics on it. So Charles B. Moore went along with this. Obviously, he was lying. He told one story, a different story in 1979, and then years later, 25 years later, he, he was uh, lying about it. He told a totally different story. Uh, so there you go. And But we're going to get this new version. I think we're going to, I guess we could call this version number five, uh, ex explanation number five. For, and again, it's going to be coming from the government. The government has offered us four explanations thus far. Uh, thus far, there's going to be the fifth explanation in this upcoming report, and uh, it, don't believe it. 
But I'll tell you who's probably going to believe it. It's probably going to be the dumb media, the dumb legacy media who went back in 97. They went along with it. They didn't they didn't investigate it. You think after reading this uh, this book about this, the crash test dummies, basically mannequins having people believe that what people mistook for alien bodies were basically mannequins laying in the desert somewhere. Uh, they, 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 you think that they would have uh, investigated this and realized that they were being lied to, but they didn't, and they'll probably fall for it again because they always get in line. Legacy media always gets in line with whatever the Pentagon lays out for them. They won't investigate this, but just be prepared. We're going to get the fifth explanation for the Roswell crash, and it's going to involve these polyethylene uh, balloons that weren't being used until 1948, and they're going to have us try to believe. They're going to try to make people believe that that's what people were. That's the memory method. That explains the memory metal, which is totally bogus. That's not the the the, the that does not uh, uh, that does not explain what people were seeing, the, the the materials that people were handling back then. And then, of course, there's the alien bodies, and they're just going to talk about the, the the dummies again, which is you have to be a dummy to believe that. You have to be a dummy to believe it. But that's where we're going with this. Like you, you can see it, you can see what they're planning on doing here. Like he said, he already preview. Uh, he Kirkpatrick already previewed this uh, pre uh, in when he was uh, on his disinformation tour, and now the report's going to come out and. Uh, and it's going to be bogus. This report's going to—it's going to—I'm sure it's going to have everyone in the UFO community very angry. We're going to be getting gaslighted again. Prepare for gaslighting. Prepare to get gaslighted again. It's—it's—it's it's, it's very troubling. Very troubling. Okay, uh, I just want to move on a little bit uh, on a, on a related note. Uh, this was uh, something that Christopher Sharp at Liberation Times has been talking about. He's been talking about this new report coming up and a new article that he has. Uh, and the article says concerns grow over UFO pushback effort whilst re- whistleblowers remain silenced. It says observers are increasingly apprehensive as the former director, uh, Kirkpatrick, currently serving as consultant to uh, America's Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena Office, seems to be taking on the role of its shadow spokesperson, bypassing established communication protocols within the Department of Defense. It says Kirkpatrick, now an unpaid consultant to the UAP office, uh, recently informed New York Post journalist Stephen Greenstreet that a forthcoming historical report on UAP would likely be made public before the State of the Union address on March 7th. Responding to Kirkpatrick's comments, the Arrow official spokesperson, the DOD's Susan Goh, commented, we anticipate releasing an unclassified version of an, of an initial volume of the historical record report soon. I cannot provide anything more specific than soon. Now this new report, like I said before, it's going to be filled with bogus information, lies, they're not going to tell us the truth about anything in this and uh another thing that uh what i'm concerned about is what uh uh christopher sharp talks about later on is that we have all been waiting for this uh uh, op-ed from whistleblower david grush and we still don't have it and apparently it's it's being tied up by uh the government um now kirkpatrick he recently it says here uh, he recently had an op-ed that he that we talked about. I talked about on this podcast before, and it was approved by the Defense Office of Pre-Publication and Security Review, or DOPSR. And but unfortunately, uh, the op-ed that David Grush has written has been held up for a little while now. It says here. 
Uh, and now there are concerns on, about whether the DOPSR process has been weaponized, potentially allowing Dr. Kirkpatrick to influence an upcoming historical report on UAP before its public release, all while delaying the disclosure of new revelations by whistleblowers. That includes David Grush, whose own upcoming op-ed regarding UAP has been delayed uh, by the DOPSR. The office has not finished its review of the draft he submitted two months ago. Sources who have spoken to Liberation Times speculate, speculate that this office is being manipulated to facilitate Dr. Kirkpatrick's targeting of whistleblowers while these whistleblowers remain silenced. Grush's complaint regarding potentially illegal UAP programs was designated as credible and urgent by the Intelligence Community's Inspector General, giving the allegations enormous weight. Despite receiving support from heavyweight figures, such as the Inspector General, members of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and Chuck Schumer, leader of the Senate, UAP advocates currently face limited opportunities to challenge an emerging narrative seemingly tailored to discredit significant allegations made by Grush and other highly cleared witnesses. Following the pushback and shelving of new UAP legislation, which would have promoted more transparency, advocates, including those in Congress, remain determined to continue pushing forward. Uh, I'll leave the link so that you can check this out for yourself. But see, that's another concern that's ongoing right now because uh, <laughs> they're withholding that. They're withholding David Grush's op-ed that we've been waiting for. We Remember, I've been talking about it for a couple of months now and we still don't have it. That's because it's being held up by the government. They have to make they have to go through it and make sure that everything is cleared in there, that everything he says in that op-ed uh, is 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 not cla- is not something that's classified but they should have been done with it by this point but they're not and it could be that they're doing this it's again they're trying to they're trying to get the jump on everything here Kirkpatrick you know with and, and even though it seems like he's still working for hour doesn't it I mean he I know he's left there he's an unpaid consultant now uh, but it seems like he's you know it's his report his fingerprints are going to be all over this thing he's going around complaining about uh People uh, like Lou Elizondo and Christopher Mellon and uh, David Grush and other people who have been bending uh, the ears of people in Congress uh, about this, and he thinks that that they're just that, that they've been that they con the way he's talking, like they con Congress into believing all this stuff, which is absolute nonsense absolute nonsense this has been going on a long time folks long before any of these like i talked about in the previous podcast this has been going on long before 2017 long before we ever heard of lou elizondo this has been getting covered up for decades now i mean we've been there's been so many different officials a lot a lot of them not even with us anymore that have talked about this like for instance the late senator barry goldwater who who uh he went to general curtis lemay at one point and lemay told him uh, actually uh goldwater won a wanted to know more about ufos particularly the the blue room at the that was alleged to be in wright patterson air force base where they kept uh, uh recovered craft and or bodies and goldwater asked about that and curtis lemay got angry with him the only time goldwater ever saw him getting angry and told him don't ever ask me about anything like that again so they're just get we're being gaslighted they're gonna they're, they're, they're they just they're, they're holding on they're not going to let this go easily it's just not going to happen you see kirkpatrick he doesn't care he'll 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 lie through his teeth he doesn't care he doesn't care about history he doesn't care about his place in history he's working for these for this secret control group and they don't want this information out and it's very upsetting i'm very upset about this and everybody in the ufo community should be upset about it it's very disturbing Okay, uh, one more thing I want to touch on here today. Um, 
there there was uh, uh, a story uh, I, I saw it initially on the from the Daily Mail. It was about uh, uh, some kind of an object that was seen by Ukrainian military pilots. Uh, oh, it's, uh, it looks like a flying saucer in the video. And here I'm just going to go on Reddit here quick, and I'll just uh, play this video. Okay, I'm just going to play this. Uh, I'm going to go to Reddit here. There's the, the, you can see the video on there. It was captured. This video was captured. Uh, Ukrainian military personnel captured this image, uh, this video using a drone. I'll just play the video here quick. And uh, uh, these guys are these military people. Guys are talking to each other. And, uh, I'm not. I have it. Uh, uh, I have it on mute because uh, they were using some expletives, and I don't want to uh, put that on the show here. Uh, and they, but th- what they were saying, maybe they should ram it. And I'll play it again. Uh, I'll, I'll leave the link out there for people who are listening to the show rather than uh, watching it, so they could see this for themselves. But it looks like a, a big flying saucer, and they zoom in on it, and yeah, that's what it looks like. It looks like a flying saucer just sitting there in the sky. Uh, and then uh, it ends with somebody saying, maybe, maybe we should ram it. Anyway, there was an article uh, in the DailyMail.com about this, and it says here, disc-shaped UFO is filmed by Ukrainian military in a war zone. And there's a quote from one of the guys saying, what the blank is this? Maybe ram it. It says here, a disc-shaped, completely silent UFO was caught on camera by Ukrainian troops in the war-torn country in footage shared exclusively with Daily Mail. Uh, and it says there, while the size, altitude, and shape of the object remain a mystery, the drone's own altitude indicates that the apparent object could be a large craft over 30 miles away. The eerie footage was captured by the 406th Battalion this month via one of the over 300 heat vision quadcopter drones used by the Ukrainian armed forces in their effort to defend the nation from a now two years long invasion by Russia. Based on the thermal imaging drone's temperature range, the UFO was warmer than its surroundings, black hot, although a red air message on the drone's control interface leaves key de- de- details unresolved. Uh, this is her, the incident is just the latest UFO case over UA, U, U, uh, Ukraine's war-torn soil, fueling decades of speculation on the possible intent of the airborne mysteries and adding weight to the testimony of military witnesses who have seen UFOs disabled nuclear weapons. Uh, and then later on, it talks about that it could be some kind of a mirage. It says online UFO skeptics have supplied their own opinions on the 17-second war zone video, with some suggesting that the image is a case of the mirage phenomenon known as Fata Morgana. The mirage, named after a sorceress from the legend of King Arthur, occurs when a higher altitude layer of warm air and a lower layer of cold air create an atmospheric duct that refracts or curves light, creating airborne aerial reflections. This could be this could just be an optical illusion of filming something on a body of water, as one Reddit user suggested. Of course, it's only a couple seconds, as usual. However, it's unclear if the 406th Battalion's UFO video was recorded near a large body of water with nothing but inland ge- geography discernible in the 17-second clip. Yeah, you, you don't see any water there. Additionally, while Fata Morgana can be seen over both land and sea, aviation safety experts noted that it is rare to see an instance of the phenomena that is as static and un- unmoving as the UFO spotted by the 406th over Ukraine. Uh, it says here, these are just people online making statements that they're using here. Who, who knows if it's a mirage or not? Looks like a flying, giant flying saucer to me. 
Uh, so I think it's pretty interesting. Anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, I, I'll, I'll leave the link to this uh, Daily Mail article for those who uh, want to check it out. Uh, but yeah, um, it, it, I thought it was pretty interesting. Anyway, uh, I want to say uh, thank you all for joining me. Until next time.